Welcome to Rebel Ants Radio. We have six people watching. I'm very excited. I am joined tonight uh, by my co-host, co-pilot, co-founder, Miguel. And this is the podcast for the Rebel Ants NFT project, where we are sort of building in public here, sharing our journey along the way, all of our successes, all of our failures, and just kind of showing you what it's like to run an NFT project with no backing, uh, just two guys hustling. And um, we have a special guest tonight. We're excited to welcome Ryan Maloney in just a few minutes. But before we do, Miguel, how are you? Miguel, you you with me? We're losing people by the moment that you're yeah. talking. Give me one second here. I'm having some technical difficulties. All right. There all good. Go. All good. You hear me now? All right. Yes. Is this more of Elon's fault? Is he ruining everything for us? It is, man. How How's everything going? I didn't hear your... <laughs> your most famous beginning speech. I am sorry. It was a good intro. I didn't use the word all right. So I feel like you would have been proud of me if you heard it. I am doing great today. We have a great <laughs> guest today, Ryan uh, Maloney. He's a great artist. He's all over YouTube. I'm sure a lot of people have seen him out there. Um, I've talked to a few friends where where I show them the, the uh, intro page that we had and they're like, oh yeah, I know him. <laughs> I've seen him on YouTube. So I'm super excited yeah. to, to chat with him and, and see why his artistry is all about and, you know, and, and see where it's going, but I'm doing great today. Nice. Let's, uh, let's go over a few things at the top of the show. First, I want to give a special thank you to our biggest follower, John Cena or John or Johnny C as I call him. John, your follow to us means the world. Thank you for all you do. You are a true inspiration to us. Can't wait to get you on the pod one day. You know what I'm talking about. Hit me up on Twitter. Thank you. Um, we have <laughs> we invite you to head over to uh, rebelants.io where you can mint your very own Rebel Ants. It's 0.01 ETH, which right now is is doing okay. ETH is going up. I think it, it was over 1,700 at some point this week. That was exciting. I don't know. Did Bitcoin touch 25,000 or it was just under it? Were you following? Uh, just under it. No, actually, just I think it did hit 25. It did. It did hit 25. All right, good. It's, yeah. it's moving in the right direction. We got some ways to go before uh, an ATH, but we're going to get there. Um, we also invite you to head over to rebelants.io slash shop, pick up some Rebel Ants merch. This amazing hat that I'm wearing here is not on the website yet, but it will be. We'll get some uh, hats up there as well. And just a reminder that at some point during the show, we're going to throw up a secret code and you will have a chance to head over to rebelants.io slash proof, which is your proof of attendance showing that you are watching. Drop in the code. If you're the first three to do so within 24 hours of the show airing, then you will get a free Rebel Ant airdrop to you. Miguel, I've seen some uh, gas fees lately of like 30 bucks and it makes me want to not buy anything. What, what are we supposed yeah, to do? Yeah, there's some... There's some gas fees that are super high, and then there's some that are pretty low. So, I mean, it's just inconsistent right now. I guess it's with all the fluctuation in crypto, it's just uh, a little weird. But I think we'll we'll get better. Yeah. Your mic is uh, doing that thing where it goes in and out again. I don't know if you can fix yourself. Is it? But, uh, yeah, we got, some, we got some people joining us today. We got Universal. What up, bro? Thanks for joining us. We got Patrick. Hello from Vegas. How fancy. And uh, I don't know what this means. G, you do you in the house? Yeah, I guess we are in the house. So let's welcome Ryan because we've got a juicy icebreaker for today and I want to hear from him. Um, so here we go. Give me one second while I figure this all out. And we've got Ryan. Is Ryan there? Can you see us? I can see you. Can you hear me? You, yeah, we can hear you. Hold on. Let me try this one more time. Uh, can't hear you, but we can't see you. Says I'm on the show. Yeah. 
It does say you're on the show. Okay, well, technical difficulties. Hold on one second. I'm going to remove you, add you back in. That is not working. Hold on. Do you want to try and exit and come back in, Ryan? I don't know if that's part of the issue here. I'm going to do it. Uh, give me two seconds. Yeah, that was weird. That's all right. Yeah, we We're keep... going to get there. We've got a lot of... Uh... We seem to be having some, some difficulties today. Yeah. I'm still going to blame We'll get through it. We will get through it. We always do. Uh, let's see when Ryan jumps back in. But yeah, that was weird that we could see him and then he wasn't on there. So let's try again. Goes. There we go. We've ah, got some Ryan in the house. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. We are psyched You're to have great. you here. We've been talking to you for a couple of weeks about getting you on the show. And here we are. We made it. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I am. I'm always impressed when our guests like show up because I'm like, why would they even want to be here? Like, why would they want to give us an hour <laughs> of their time? But here you are. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, Happy definitely. Well, thank you. Yeah, good. What would you be doing on a Sunday night had we not bothered you to do this? Um, recovering from a day of my kids asking me a thousand questions and uh, running them all over the place and trying to hide <laughs> from them in another room so they don't find me. There you go. <laughs> that sounds like you, well, Kevin. Look, yeah, it does sound like me. I have to go like three floors up just to get some privacy <laughs> here. So, um, Ryan, if they make their way on the show, that's cool. We're happy to talk to them, too. No, <laughs> I have they have specific directions to not make a single noise. <laughs> That's some, those are some, uh, you know, well-behaved kids. I'm impressed. Um, all right. Well, we have eight people watching, so we're going to throw up our icebreaker question and we want to hear from everyone who's watching. The question is, what did you want to be when you were growing up? So Miguel, what did you want to be when you were growing up? A pilot. Really? You I did. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I really did. I wanted to be a pilot. I, I thought that airplanes amazed me when I was little. And is this like military pilot? Is this a uh, jet blue pilot? What are we talking here? Private just pilot? A pilot. Just, just a pilot. I just, wanted to, I just wanted to fly planes. That's all. That's a tough job. That's a tough yeah. job. Yes. Yeah. You still can, by the way. There's no reason you couldn't go get your pilot's license. <laughs> <laughs> not, not too old maybe, maybe once we're rich off of Rebel Ants and we don't need a full-time job anymore other than this. <laughs> Um, Maybe. Uh, all right, Ryan, questions to you. What did you want to be when you were growing up? Let's see. A few things. Um, I remember the first time I saw The Simpsons, I thought to myself, I'm going to make that one day. Nice. I was like seven or eight years old, and I was delusional, and I am still delusional. <laughs> I didn't realize how hard that would be. Uh, always an artist, but um, really wanted to play professional baseball at one point and professional football and also be a doctor at the same time just total wow totally delusional super busy <laughs> yeah. that's all right my older son says that he's gonna have an mlb career and then an nba career so he's he's got some big plans too those are good <laughs> Which it, it'd be great if he did you know for, yeah. for all of us trust me he'll retire uh, <laughs> all right yeah real quickly <laughs> So I, I wanted to be a veterinarian. I was really into horses growing up. I don't know what that means, like into horses, but I enjoyed horseback riding and learning about horses. And then I learned I have like a deadly allergy to the um, to horses, the mane, the dander that's in their mane. I would not handle that well. So I moved on with my life. I ended up getting a job at McDonald's and I learned that I loved customer service. And that brought me into the hotel industry. Was that, was that now, your first job? McDonald's? Yeah. 
Uh, now I was a bag boy at uh, Shoprite. I don't know if that's the right term. Is that a gender neutral term now? A bag person. I was a bag person <laughs> at uh, <laughs> yeah at Shoprite. That was my first job. Then I went to McDonald's, and then I've been with Hyatt Hotels for 19 years now. So this is all <laughs> that's my life. Hotels. Uh, we have a few answers in the crowd here. Uh, Patrick says a reporter and a scientist, two separate jobs combined together. I like it. Um, a captain and a neurosurgeon. All right. People have a hard time committing. A cop. Uh, all at the same. Hold on. I think I missed your first one. Um, Latin night. What was the first thing you said? And a cop all at the same time. All right. And then always blessed. Thanks for joining again. Kindergarten teacher. I think you'd be a great kindergarten teacher. So, yeah, that's good stuff. Um, all right. Now we're up to 10 people watching. How exciting. All right. Ryan, this show is all about you. What uh, what was art like for you before digital art was such a thing? What was art like for me before digital art was a thing? Were you uh, painting, drawing, sketching? Yeah. What was your art? I've been doing digital art as long as humanly possible. Like as soon as, I mean, I want to say I've been drawing with a mouse since a mouse mm. was a thing on a computer, like in paint. <laughs> like I, so I've oh, almost neat. never known life without <laughs> digital art. I've always loved like physical art and drawing and painting and stuff, but something about digital art, you don't have to clean anything up, just quickly undo. Like I've been obsessed <laughs> yeah. with it and just like the efficiencies of digital art. Uh, I've just been obsessed with and finding ways to make art quickly. And um, yeah, I just love like, I love watching lines being drawn on screen and coming together. It's like magic to me. Yeah. Makes total sense. Right. What is your, yeah. what is your pitch elevator uh, talk? Like who, who is Ryan and where do you come from? So my, this, it's probably not an elevator pitch. Um, <laughs> so I am a, I guess you could say a graphic designer and animator, but I'm also obsessed with story and products and trying to make like hits, like in a marketplace, mm. like different marketplaces. Um, I've done tons of toy design, character design. Um, I also run my own little creative agency. I probably spend 95% of my time doing it. And I make like graphics and visuals and animated videos from like pitches to pitch videos to uh, marketing videos for beauty companies, um, healthcare companies, entertainment and educational companies. Um, and then 5% of my time is spent doing crazy projects, building in public, um, exploring new concepts like NFTs or kids books and blending and trying to find like the overlap in things. Um, always staying sort of on the outskirt of these, these niches, trying to blend niches and trying to bring my own, like mixing up my own niche. And then, um, yeah, exploring and sharing what I learn. Um, Cause a lot of times I throw myself into the fire. Like when I see a challenge in front of me, right. uh, I'm like, well, I don't understand that. So there's gotta be a ton of people that don't understand that. So I throw myself in, learn about it, create systems to teach my, like my simple minded brain how to learn it. And <laughs> yeah. then, you know, the byproduct of that is things that other people can learn from a little bit of my stuff selling to those people. And then I can offer that as a service to my clients. So um, I would say I'm totally, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm totally unfocused, but I have like <laughs> my day is broken up into like mostly my creative agency. And then in the morning I'm doing 
um, like video content for TikTok or YouTube around NFTs, books, procreate, drawing. Um, and I try to corral it into those two buckets so I don't get too scatterbrained and too shiny object chasing. And that was like the worst elevator pitch ever that uh, that would have been a, a failed elevator pitch. <laughs> That's all right. I, I think we get a, a good picture of what that is. So it kind of seems like both sides of that feed into each yeah. other, right? Like your interest in learning new things kind of helps drive the content and maybe helps uh, explore new areas from your agency. Does that sound right? Correct. And a, a lot of it is just um, me looking at something and saying, like, how is that done? Like, how would somebody generate 10,000 characters for a line? When I, I can draw that. I can draw 50 50 characters in a day if I wanted to, right. 10,000 would take me <laughs> yeah. a year. And when yeah. I saw that, I'm like, oh my goodness, like I have to learn this. I have to simplify it for myself so I can do it, repeat it in the future or somebody else can repeat it. Like, yeah. And, and pay it forward a little bit to other people. So yeah, I just, I sort of throw myself in. It doesn't, it only happens like three or four times a year that I get this like bolt of lightning where I'm like, oh yeah, I have to dive into this. Um, yeah, that's, that's my whole thing, really, is throwing myself in, learning, and then uh, teaching myself and teaching others. Nice. Yeah. We've got a, a question here from the audience. And uh, Ryan, just want to make sure you can hear and see us okay, because I think we've got a little little lag going on. But if, if you can hear us, then we're good to go. Yeah, keep I can going. hear and see you fine. Perfect. So a uh, question here says, you said you started in paint with a mouse. When did you move to Photoshop? or Illustrator, which version? And when did you start using a graphic tablet and stylus? Good question. Excellent question. Um, paint and a mouse, um, it was before 2000. Uh, I was probably exposed to Photoshop in like 1998, 1999. And then I remember in my dorm room freshman year in college, somebody showed me Adobe Flash and I was obsessed with it, like creating cartoons, using the, the trackpad to create cartoons. And then I also learned uh, I was exposed to or like, I don't know if I was exposed to Photoshop around that time or that was earlier. I just remember the first version of Photoshop or one of the really early, early versions using that. Uh, and from that point on, I just sort of like thought to myself, all right, I need to, I need to improve the tools as I'm improving my skills. And every time mm -hmm. I like push myself to improve my skills, I sort of rewarded myself with like a tablet or a new computer and things like that. And then just like started, uh, now I have like way too much stuff, but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'd say early 2000s when I got really serious with um, a tablet and a stylus. Nice. Yeah, it's funny because a lot of the things that I've seen, sorry, go ahead and go. It's funny because uh, I've seen like uh, when you mentioned that you just like to throw yourself into things. I, I've seen some of your videos where, for example, you were doing the 3D uh, drawing. You were learning how to do it. And um, it was all out in public and you don't really mind doing that. And honestly, like I've learned a lot from just watching your videos and I've been using Procreate for a very long time. And there's times where, where I'm like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. And then it's, you know, it comes from one of your videos. Like I, I remember texting Kevin and talking about it on one of the podcasts that um, it was something that I couldn't do and I was frustrated. And then I remember coming across one of your videos and I saw how to fix it. And I was like, oh, that that's great. That took me like two seconds to learn. I can't believe I didn't know this for like 10 years. Well, that, that was like, TikTok happening. reading your brain. TikTok literally reads your, you can have a problem that you've never <laughs> talked about, never searched for, and it, it will feed you the video, the solution. And you'll be like, oh my goodness. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it was, 
go ahead. It was like I, I couldn't believe it. Like, oh my god, that that's the solution. That's so easy. How come I didn't think about that? That was all TikTok, not me. I mean, I was probably <laughs> I probably learned it like 24 hours before then. You know? Yeah, I just like anytime I learn something, I try to post it. It's like, why am I not film? Like, I need to film everything I do. <laughs> yeah. it's just like, otherwise, I won't have any content. Like, I've, I'm just like learning so much every single day. Yeah, well, people like me, yeah. thank you. <laughs> yeah, glad, yeah. glad uh, Ryan, I mentioned. <laughs> what is what is your TikTok? Um, I don't know the the idea of creating for TikTok versus YouTube. How do you differentiate and say, okay, I'm going to learn something. I'm going to throw it up on TikTok, or I'm going to throw it up on YouTube. Is it a long form, short form thing? Yeah, TikTok. Well, TikTok came out of nowhere for me. I put threw up some animations. They got this was like an early. It was like 2019 or 2020, and it, they just got some views and they sucked me in with all the attention. So I'm like. Oh, I guess I'll just keep making this and explore. And I just watch other people's content and just borrowed their presentation style, but applied my skills and the things I was interested in. And I still sort of do that because I'm not like a, a natural media presence. I'm just like a guy who likes to make art and design and animation. And I need to present that in a way to the world that's easy. So I borrow other people's um, media presentation skills. But when it comes to <clears throat> TikTok versus YouTube, for the last couple of years, it's been all TikTok. And then that sort of feeds over into my YouTube. But now mm. um, I think it's the tables have turned a little bit. TikTok growth has stalled out a lot. And YouTube is making it a little bit more appealing. Like when you launch their mobile app, it's all short form video. And then you go to the right. long form. Um, I'm a huge, like, but recently I'm like, I, I want to create like evergreen educational content. Sure, so, sure. you know, I, I kind of jump back and forth between the short form and that long form. Uh, like in my head, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to create these long form educational uh, videos. But you get you can procrastinate and get scared to do that because it's a huge undertaking and a lot of time. TikTok is so easy to create. Like the interface is so easy to create yeah. and post a video. Like I wouldn't even create one on YouTube shorts because I don't even know if you can <laughs> do like the green screen. So it really comes down to like what, you know, if there's like what has the least amount of friction for me to like create something and post it because you get that fear and that, you know, you start talking yourself out of like, why would I, why would anybody want to watch this? If there's any resistance into hitting that post button. Uh, it makes me back off a little bit. So whatever is the really mm. easy to create, I'm, I'm all for. And I think YouTube's going to start turning that around big time. Yeah. Yeah, the, the shorts have really changed the game for them. It's it's like a whole new level for them. And, you know, they were already the biggest in the world. And now now they're taking that away from some of the other the platforms. Yeah. Miguel is the reason I downloaded TikTok. I was trying to avoid it, but he's like, we need to be on TikTok because he's, you know, he's drawing on Procreate and, and we're getting those clips. And I'm like, oh, all right, I'll download TikTok. I've been trying to avoid it my my uh, the past few years. <laughs> Just kind of what you're saying, like, I don't want to get sucked into something else, but it's kind of where the world is right now. So maybe I need to grow up a little bit. Yeah. And I like, I studied like my, cons my media consumption habits and I was obsessed with podcasts in 2014, 15 and 16. And now I see like, you know, normal people like being obsessed with podcasts and I start to see them yeah. get sucked into uh, vertical short form video. And uh, I'm starting to feel like I'm fatigued from it. And I'm, I'm probably, I might mm. be getting out of that going into like longer YouTube formats. Right. So I wonder if like, 
you know, you're going to get sucked into it for a little while, but I don't think it's going to last more than a year. So, <laughs> all right, you know, just kiss a year of your life. Watching, yeah, you watch so yeah. much garbage. I can't even. <laughs> wish I could have that time back. <laughs> when it comes to your art, uh, what platforms do you use? What's, what are your favorites for creating it or posting it? For creating, um, Procreate is the number one drawing um, app I've ever used. Uh, it's ten dollars. It's the easiest. I mean, you your drawing as soon as you open it. Um, my seven-year-old daughter can do it. Um, she'll teach me things on it. It's it's super intuitive and easy. Uh, I think drawing in Photoshop is hell on earth. I don't know why anybody would torture themselves with that. Uh, just the crazy amount of brushes and get, I, I don't even want to deal with it. Uh, I like Adobe Fresco for clean line art. There's a little bit of a lag in the iPad, um, but I also don't have an updated iPad. Uh, mm. I'm waiting until mine completely dies to get a new one. Um, and then uh, huge After Effects fan, not for drawing, but for animating. After Effects, I've been getting back into Adobe Animate, which was Adobe Flash at one point. Uh, and I like Adobe Character Animator for automating voice and uh, facial movements in your cartoon characters. Wow. Ah, interesting. I yeah, can keep we've going. Got a... I can keep going. <laughs> Hold on. we got a question here. Have you ever had any traditional art training? Yeah. Um, I, I was um, an artist all through elementary, middle school, high school, did the advanced art thing, and it, it – I mean, it really took off when I realized I could um, schedule all of my classes in high school, like using a lot of art. Like I'd take regular art class, oh, advanced nice. art. I could fill up like half a day and I played football too. So I could take classes with my football coaches. I could fill up like six out of the eight periods with art and football. One of those could be lunch too. And it was like, it, I cruised through. I could even take my art clipboard and tell my teacher, I'm going around the school to draw people. And she'd be like, okay, yeah, cool. Bring it back at the end of the period. So I really could like coast through really nicely. And then I went to uh, Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh for college. And I was a fine arts major there and wow. did a lot of traditional art, like a lot of life drawing, um, a lot of, lot of digital art too. I was, I don't even remember the names of some of the early animating programs I was working on there. Uh, exposed to a little bit of 3D, but I could never really get it to, I could never really hook into it. And everybody around me was like the most genius 3D artists I've ever seen. They all make like all those, all the video, big video games you see now. Uh, yeah. I should have stuck with it, but <laughs> I didn't want to sleep over in the studio like they would do. They're, they were yeah. Not. Um, yeah. But uh, traditional, I, I was always traditionally trained, I guess you could say, but I always had like the attitude of an entrepreneur, like, well, you can teach me this in class, but I'm going to go home and learn all the things I really like at my, like at a much faster speed. And I also loved cartoons and comics and a lot of my traditional art in colleges, they didn't like dissuade me, if that's a word from creating uh, comics and cartoons, but they didn't really get it. I don't think they took yeah. it seriously. Um, and I really loved it. So like Carnegie Mellon was amazing, but I always wanted to make like Simpson style cartoons or family guy style cartoons. And I tried to like bring that into the class and some of the teachers just weren't having it. So 
Yeah, uh, I sort of, I but I, sort of <laughs> I like pushing people's buttons with that stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. Who, who were your biggest so, artistic influences? Yeah. Um, I mean, once I, I I remember being in my basement playing with all my brothers and friends. But I I really I was like seven or eight, and everybody in the basement stopped. They just froze when the TV went on, and I I had my back turned towards the TV. And I just saw all their faces and I was like, whatever just happened, like, I want to create whatever's on that TV behind me. Cause it just like, everyone just chilled out and laughed, like a smile on everyone's face. And I turned around and it was the Simpsons. It was like that, you know, one of the first episodes. And um, so the Simpsons was the biggest influence. And then um, I taught myself to draw with Bruce Blitz cartoons of VHS um, drawing tutorial yeah. series series that my aunt and uncle gave me, uh, and I wore that VHS tape out. Um, <laughs> I was really young I guess doing that's, that. That's really evergreen, huh? A VHS teaching you how to draw like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. The original YouTube. Works. The original <laughs> yeah. YouTube. Uh, yeah, that was. Um, and then I could. I spent a lot of time in the library in college for some reason, and uh, I would just open up art books. And I like traditional artists like. Uh, Jonathan Borofsky, like a sculptor, then went to Carnegie Mellon. Um, forgetting some Jim Dine was like a rough sketch artist, just did like anything with like a ton of like crazy attitude in it. I really liked, and then, um, I mean, when I first saw the family guy, I was like, oh, this humor, the sense of humor is just <laughs> unbelievable. So, and then uh, a bunch of New York style cartoonists and Ren and Stimpy, um. Really, nice. I just feel like obsessed. I just go through like, I'll just become obsessed with an artist for like two weeks and just study everything they do. So I'm just really like a hodgepodge of of a million artists I've come across. That's cool. And were you into comic books as a as a kid or even as an adult in terms of that animation style? They were always around, um, and I respected the style. And I actually like have a natural comic book drawing ability. But I never was obsessed with comic book stories. Like I've drawn almost a full comic pitch. And it was pretty decent. Like I could probably do it again. It was like Feather Force for a toy line that I was pitching. But I don't know. I've always like been interested in the fact that I wasn't interested in comics. Like yeah. I don't know why I love to draw them and I love to tell the stories, but I don't like to read them or look at them. I don't know. It's a very strange thing. That's cool. We we accept you for you. That's all right. <laughs> that's maybe that's the rebel inside of you. That that little rebel. Oh, definitely have a rebel in me. <laughs> so let me ask, because Carnegie Mellon is kind of a big deal, I think. In whatever anyone going there, you know, they, they've got to be you know pretty good at what they do. Did you find that that education translated into the into life after college in any sense, even in terms of running your agency now? Yeah, I I mean I. Um... So let's see. I think it was a great experience. I the socializing and meeting and being around people that are a thousand times smarter than you may, literally made me smarter. It made me think differently. Yeah. Um, the classes were really great, very interesting. Um, but I like my biggest gripe coming out of college. Like I remember graduating and thinking to myself, "What do I do now?" Like, oh wait, they didn't teach me of what I do now. I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing because that set like a panic in me to have to yeah. figure it out. Um, I mean, the best things I learned were football, like just uh, just the discipline from playing football there and 
taking like the just the different types of groups I met and being involved in all of these different groups and like connecting some of them and like understanding how like I would show up in my art classes with like uh, like ice and tape all over my shoulders from football. And they were like, <laughs> they'd be like, you play foot. You're an artist that plays football. And then I go to football and my coach would be like, you're an artist. Like what? What, you're, you're an artist? Or what do you do in art classes? Like, I love the um, like never being able, like never being able to be labeled, you know, like kind yeah. of people confusing myself and like that anxiety and that chaos kind of like creates like, um, I don't know, content and topics for me to explore and create. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely a rebel. I can, I can sense it. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's tough. <laughs> it's just I love that chaos. Yeah. And so what happened to football? Did you like hurt your hand or something and then you couldn't draw? And you gave up on football? Um, no, I would just, you just get banged up all the time. Like every practice. <laughs> every I didn't think I was going to go pro. I always like towards the end of my college career, you're not going to go like it was division three. I'm not going to go pro. So I just started really focusing on like art and didn't really have a portfolio at all. I probably should have put together a portfolio, but uh, I moved to New York city after that. Ill, like very unprepared like no art portfolio no money just slept on my friend's couch and just emailed like 2500 people from the carnegie mellon alumni Jeez. director that was you know that's i mean that that is what i got from carnegie mellon is that alumni directory and then somebody eventually offered me a job as a designer so it did pay off if that didn't work out i'd be like oh man school no not worth it but it was it was definitely <laughs> worth it yeah nice do you feel that, um, uh, do you have any favorite time of day to like create? Like, do you just create whenever? Does it come to you at any point uh, during the day or do you plan it? How does it work? hundred uh, percent. I'm all about like the waves of creative energy during the day. As soon as I wake up, I have a, like a two to three hour wave of energy and unbelievable focus to like, I can create a ton of characters a ton of pages in my books, like, uh, and I basically 7am to 9am, uh, sometimes at 10am are completely personal projects. Like crunchy cows was, was designed. Then beastly ballers was designed. Then all my books are made in that, that two to three hour window. And then after that, I have a major dip in energy, zero desire mm -hmm. to create whatsoever. And that goes, that's usually when I do emails, client stuff, like, um management like i have a, a virtual assistant that i'm just like getting him prepared for the day and then i'll get excuse me really my next wave of energy is um probably like good creative energy is probably like three to five and then i'll have another dip and then i'll have a nighttime um peak in energy and creativity probably from seven to nine so i have like two or three good waves a day and I, I, I have to put all my projects into that. And then I know like in those dips, when I don't have the energy, that's when I do phone calls, emails uh, and manage things. Nice. And you do, you, you do uh, everything yourself, right? In terms of what? You have a team in terms of everything that you do. Like, uh, I, I know you have your books out and you know, you have your artwork, you have the crunchy cows, the NFT, like is all the videos that you do, the editing, is that just all you by yourself? Um, no, it's, it's mostly me. I, 
for media love, my creative agency, I have a, like a full-time virtual assistant, but he's a project manager. He's awesome. Um, he handles all of like the client communications, basically like a, a dental assistant setting up the patient for me, the dentist to come in and do that really focused, like <clears throat> that focus, like specialty work. And then crunchy cows was, that was pretty much all me. I had somebody write the contract. Um, but those were like, uh, contracted for hire. And then, um, trying to think, cause it was, it was over a year ago we launched it. I'm trying to think who else was involved. I did have a partner on that at first. Um, but I had to buy him out. So now I'm like the sole owner of it. And then I have, uh, I have a mod John who manages the discord. So it's mo I mean like me full time, but then there's contractors and assistants. Yeah, I think that's our problem. Like we have so much going on and we're trying to do everything ourselves. And it's just difficult to manage all the social media. It's like, I, I know that there's times in the day where I'm texting Kevin, like, hey, we need to post this. Hey, we need to do this. We need to say that. We need to post this video. But it's extremely hard and exhausting. Yeah, so. I know. The f I'm still burnt out. And like when I think back, it was October 2021. We launched Crunchy Cows. I'm still, I still feel the feeling of exhaustion during that period, wow. having to learn every day, learn all these brand new terms, learn about smart contracts, deploy a contract. Ethereum was at ridiculous prices. Gas prices were like over 80 bucks per airdrop. Uh, it was such like, I mean, wow. the greatest learning experience in, <laughs> in the last three years, but I'm still extremely burnt out from that. Extremely burnt out. Crazy. Well, listen, speaking of Crunchy Cow, that is the secret code for this episode, Crunchy. So anyone who is listening or watching, head over to rebelance.io slash proof, drop in the word Crunchy. And if you are one of the first three to do so, you will get a free Rebelant airdrop to you, you know, kind of depending on when the gas fee is not terrible. So Crunchy is the, uh, the secret code for this episode. So head on over. Um, so Ryan, if you were to do an NFT project again, what would you do differently than Crunchy Cows? Hmm. Uh, let me think about like the things I'm proud of is like generating the characters and demystifying that whole process. Yeah. Breaking that down. And a lot of people have thanked me for that and like teaching them like layering and in procreate. Um, I think like finding the utility early on, like the long-term utility of why people would collect these and want to be involved. Um, I think that is one thing I would have focused on before I launched, because I had to learn about that afterwards. Because mm. right. my first line was Beastly Ballers, and that was very simple, just creating art, not even generating characters, and putting that out. And I didn't have to worry about any. I didn't have a Discord. I didn't have you know utility. It's just about collecting these characters, which is like my main interest and what I'm yeah. really into. But when you launch an NFT line with a contract on OpenSea, and you have a Discord, and people are in your community, and they're <clears throat> They're investing in your NFT. It's more like a uh, like a hedge fund or like you're managing somebody's money almost. Yeah. And you yeah. have a responsibility. Yeah, expect returns. <laughs> yes. You have, a, you have a responsibility. And that that's the greatest pressure that I've felt. And um, I think I really would have like defined the utility after that or like way before launching that. Right. Right. I think that's important. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, Miguel and I have talked endlessly about different types of utility, but 
neither of us are, are programmers. So it's really, you know, what can we come up with that's accessible to us right. and that, that maybe has value to a community. So I think for those non-technical people, it is, it is really hard. Um, I don't know that anyone could just put out the art, but I think you're probably more likely to be able to put out the art than put out a, a contract with some really unique or interesting utility. And mm -hmm. I think our hope is that over time, some of these no-code platforms, like we've used uh, Bueno to launch or just some of the other platforms will kind of make it easier. Um, you know, Manifold is doing that right now with their burn mechanism. So hopefully those tools become more available so that it's even easier for someone to get into the game than kind of saying, oh, I need an artist. I need a, a programmer and, you know, all sides of that. Yeah, those those platforms are really coming together. Like when I launched a year and a half ago, very few. There was like Nifty. Can't even remember the name of it. Um, there were a couple like One Mint is trying to do it where you can generate your characters and deploy contracts. Um, but yeah, that will make it a lot easier and a lot more mainstream um, for like companies like brands to launch their NFTs too. Cause it's, yeah. it's a very complicated project to do it without those platforms. Yeah. Right. And we've seen the big companies still fail at it, even with the resources, right? If they yeah. just don't know what either the space is interested in or they don't know how to execute properly, you know, it's like, well, they just, they, you know, maybe made a fool of themselves and blew a ton of money and, and hurt their reputation. So kind of not getting it right the first time is, is a bit double-edged, right? Cause you want to explore new things, but you don't want to fall flat on your face. So it's yeah. uh, it's a, it's a tough, tough system out there. Yeah. And a lot, the problem with a lot, a lot of brands reached out to me about launching NFT lines and we were like contracted and scheduled to do it um, wow. about a year ago, like four or five big contracts. And then is they're so uh, scared about the news, scared about like yeah in the market that they all pulled away. They all like the the tide just retract just just went back, and they they were all out. So working with wow. players, like they're they're still too scared to get in, into NFTs. <clears throat> wow, <clears throat> I mean I, we've been, we've been seeing lately like all these huge companies like name brands really getting into the NFT world now and really you know dipping their feet into it. I personally think, and I've said this before in, in, in some of our casts before, that I think that NFTs is a great platform for just artists in general, right? Because you think about just years ago, an artist didn't have a voice. It was like you, you were in school and you have your your buddies who were like really great at art, but didn't have a place to showcase it. And I feel like the NFT world does that now. So I feel like it's really important to to get that NFT moving forward, uh, that NFT platform moving forward for all these different artists that are out there that are undiscovered. Yeah, I think it's great for them. I um, I think it's just, yeah, I, I think you can, because you can show regular one-off work or you can generate a line of characters. Right. Or yeah. you can make motion graphics and, you know, unlock things with NFTs. There's like a lot that people can do. So it's, yeah, I think yeah. it's great for artists. It's great for brands. It's great for artists. Um, I think there's it's still to go mainstream and be like everybody needs digital wallets and the mm -hmm. term NFT will almost need to fade away in my opinion because <laughs> yeah. there's so much negative connotation around it right now. Yeah, It's got to go the way of like MP3 or DVD or VHS and then exactly the usefulness is always going to be there. Like creator royalties on on-chain transactions that like how can you even argue that that is going to be exactly. like the wave of the future? 
Like there's no way, like I'm not, everybody's going to buy a car on chain. Like everything is going to be listed on chain. And if it's not, I will be absolutely shocked. I I just don't know how, like we're living in like the 1950s right now when it could be like, we could (laughs) see, we could put marriages, divorces, cars, houses, everything on blockchain right now. I don't know why it's not. Yeah. Totally agree. And you know, my, um, my older son is is working towards high school, and as I'm in these high school orientations, I'm thinking, and they're talking about transcripts, and then going to college, and like that whole process should be on the blockchain, right? It should just be available to say clearly what were the grades and what courses did they take. You shouldn't have to do this thing where you have to send these transcripts back and forth. It should just all be available. So I feel like we're getting there. Maybe one day that'll that'll be our future, or I don't know. maybe People one version still, of it. I still have clients using AOL email addresses. Uh. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> and they're contacting you. I feel like those are two like ends of the spectrum. You're so far on the advanced side of the techno like digital art, and there they are stuck with their AOL. Yeah, they'll they'll <laughs> always need me though because they just don't want to take the time to learn or <laughs> get better at digital stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, we got a question here. Uh, you mentioned earlier. You mentioned children earlier. How do you balance the family man slash creative artist slash paid designer aspects of who you are? I don't do balance. Like I don't ever think to myself, "Oh, I need to balance now." I just go by um, like what I want to get better, and I just put my attention in that. And I try to create simplified buckets for it, but my brain is extremely scattered, so it can focus on five million things in a day. But when I zoom out, I need to know that, all right, 7 a.m. was my personal projects, my art, my design, like my books, my NFTs. Then I zoom out and I see, all right, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. was Media Love Creative Agency. But within that time, I was doing 5 million things. So it seemed like to normal people, they would say, wow, you need to focus. You need to do one thing. But to me, I am doing one or two or three things per day. It's just in these like buckets that only I can see when I zoom out. But at, the, at ground level, it's I'm doing five million things a day along with my kids. So, um, yeah, I'm not. I don't. I don't really do balance. I just figure out a way to get it done. I'm, and a lot of the days you're exhausted at the end of the day, but that's a, that's like a good day. How do you, yeah. how do you find how do you find inspiration for all of this that you do, especially with all all the moving parts that you have going on in a day? Um, I've never had a problem with inspiration uh if anything i have too much inspiration i want to do everything everything i see i'm like oh i can do that i can do that i can do that so it's sort of the opposite with me i have like too much gasoline um but if i need specific inspiration i just i absorb i if i'm making a picture book i just read a ton of picture books to my kids or like or you know it might be the other way around where if i'm like reading graphic novels with my son then i want to make a graphic novel if mm. I see NFTs, like then I want to make that. And I sort of have to be careful with that because <clears throat> you can get sucked into too many things. Like I either don't want to do it at all or I want to dedicate my life to it. That, like, that's how I feel about things. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not a matter of um, finding inspiration for me. It's like, I wish I didn't have inspiration. You know, I wish I had less of it or, you know, less of an addiction towards things like that. Mm, interesting that's an interesting word to use addiction towards like i guess this desire to create right it's a pure i wake up every single morning like how can i get to my work as fast as possible to start creating like 
It's a total addiction. Wow. Probably an unhealthy addiction. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah, actually. Sounds intense. Pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it can drive you crazy and drive other people crazy. So it's some days it's how crazy. do you I have a I have a question for you. How do you feel art is important to society? Hmm. That's a deep one. I gotta go deep here. It is important to society. Hmm. In in a lot of ways, art is a status, a big status symbol. Um, creators are creating for other people to collect and own and say, look, look at me. This is how much money I have. I own this. So yeah. it creates status for other people. Um, for the artists, I know it creates um, like an outlet to like explain and lay out like how they see the world, but also like what's in their DNA and like explore like their pains and, and their stories and like express like what's going on in their world. So it's sort of like therapy for the artist or like you have to create it if you're the artist. And then for other people, it's entertainment and status. And it's sort of like a relief on their, like a, a getaway on their end. Like a person owning like a great painting, waking up every day, like super happy that they own that. It's, you know, in a way it's sort of like a drug, like we're great. Uh, it's almost like a drug for creating it and a drug for other people. Like, um, yeah, it's, I don't know if that answers the question or if that even makes any sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, for me, art, uh, I I give you an example. When I was like 12 years old, I remember um, 12 or 13, I remember going through some stuff and being so mad that I remember just grabbing a pencil and looking at the wall in my room and saying, oh, that's that's my canvas. That's how that's my way out. And I remember just painting at this huge mural on my wall of just all these different cartoons and stuff. And then it was, it was my way out. You know, was it, it was a my stressful way of, time? It was a stressful time, yeah. Yeah, I find that the I make the best art in stressful times. Like Absolutely, 100%. I get, like, I almost, like, can't wait for those stressful times to come because I know, oh, man, I'm going to make so much good stuff. And after that wave, like, I'm riding high for, like, a couple months because, that like, that dip in stress. I can think in, like, 2016, 17, and 18 – I wrote a ton of books because my I had so many clients like driving me nuts every day. And when I would like escape or get on the train in New York City, I would just relax and like all these ideas would just flow in my brain. But I've always find like the best art comes from stressful moments. Like wow. you need that. Like that is it does, yeah. Mind that for I agree. Gold. I agree one hundred percent. So interesting. How do you how do you <laughs> As define a, uh, outsider who's not an artist? <laughs> But but you are Kevin. You kind of are. You make websites. You do everyone kind of different things. Yeah. So if you everyone. if you step outside your house, everything is art, right? You look at the yeah. like post and somebody. I mean, even client services, like the way you like you, it's making it's ma spending your time doing something to make other people happy. That's art to me. Mm. It's art, yeah. and that is that's that's customer service, client services, because you're spending your time. You went through all the pain to learn that probably a lot of awkward moments, a lot of awkward conversations. And now oh, yeah. you're doing that in the future. Like you're, you're predicting it and you know that this is going to deliver a reaction from the customer. So yeah. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm a bit, I'm also like a sandwich artist sometimes too. You should see my sandwiches. Uh, <laughs> we've got a comment here. Art is the spice of life. It adds color, texture, and variety to an otherwise monochrome world universal i could not agree more Definitely. i 
I also think that just the NFT space has brought more people to care about art, you know, including myself, you know, you hear people say, well, what's the art like on a certain project? Now there are certain projects, the art doesn't matter, right? Like a crypto punk, it's not really too visually appealing to most people, but it makes me think about things in a different way or some of the pieces that I've collected where it's like, wow, that's really stunning. Whereas I probably wouldn't have thought about the art of something before. So I, I have to believe that other people are in this space now caring more about art than they did before, you know, the NFT craze kicked off uh, two years ago. Yeah. It's the most art I've ever seen on Twitter in the last 10 years, Yeah, which is really cool. Sometimes annoying, but I, I think it's better than not having it there. I think it's awesome. Artists getting recognition for their art. Um, Deface Studio is one of them that I, he used to be on TikTok years ago and then jumped over to Twitter and NFT his NFTs launched and now his art launched and he's in, you know, he's like a very well-known artist, but uh, I don't think he would have gotten very far without NFTs and the exposure and really cool to see all these artists blown up that way. Yeah, I love it too. Ryan, let me ask you a question. All the stuff on your website, you go look at your website, you've got books, like you said, you've got books, you've done music videos, you, you've got all these social media channels. My website. Where are you, like, in the arc of your career? Are you... What's that? Say again? My, I said my website sucks. What did you say about the website? I need, I need my website fixed. <laughs> Am I breaking up? I'll, I'll work with you on that, all right? I got you. Cool. No, no, you're okay now. Sorry. Um, yeah, I'll I'll work with you on your website. Don't worry. Uh, but so like, it seems like you've done a lot. You've accomplished a lot from an outsider point of view. How do you feel about it? Are you like, where are you in the arc of your career? Are you, have you like achieved the goals you wanted or you have a long way to go still? How do you feel? How do you think about this? Um, I feel like if you, if you stop, stop evolving, stop exploring, you're done. Like you're dead in the water. Mm-hmm. Like I, for years I was getting like music video after music video uh, huge project after huge project, but then the market changes and nobody makes animated music videos anymore. And you have to yeah. figure something out and that's going to happen with NFTs. Like that's going to end or change or evolve some way. And you need to be ready for the next thing at all times. Um, so I don't, I, I mean, I'm not going to stop until I'm dead. Like I don't think of like achievements or money or like views or sales and something as like, Oh, I can stop now. It's like, I just, um, I want to create as much as I can while, while I'm alive. Yeah. Love that. What what do you think happened to music videos? Because I feel like we're all so like video focused now with YouTube and, and these, you know, like TikTok. like, what do you think happened to music videos? Why, why are they not a thing anymore? I don't know. Um, so they, let me just like, I've not thought about this. Like I've until now, I just sort of like pretended like, oh, I'll get clients for music videos in the future, but it's really not going to happen uh, because it, it takes too long. It costs too much money and they can get uh, the same exposure and the same amount of views going to five influencers and they don't care like what the content is as long as it's right. getting that distribution and, and being spread out there. So they'd rather have a viral TikTok song with people dancing than an animated video on YouTube that you know, not many people share in their text messages. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. The The cost and the time going into it. I think back to one of my favorite music videos by my favorite band, Pearl Jam. They have a song called Do the Evolution, where the, the music video, I think, was animated by the guy who did Spawn. And it's just like 
a really compelling music video to watch. I'm like, why don't more music videos like give you that feeling of like real like emotion just from the, the music video? And now I'm, I'm surprised just to learn when there is a music video to a song. It's like, oh, like they're still doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. We've got the question that I, I didn't know if we would get into, but Latin Knight says, how do you feel about AI in art? Um, so I, I fought it for a little bit um because i you know I, I saw so many nft people jump over to ai and be you know nft influencers to ai influencers but then i tried it and i wanted it to be bad i wanted to have an excuse <laughs> not to use it same and i was like whoa yeah. like, <clears throat> it created it generated some artwork that would take you hundreds of hours and it did it in 20 seconds Crazy. i used mid-journey and the way yeah, i'm yeah. using it yeah, the, the way I'm using it is to do the legwork, to do the the variations. So I'll come up with one design, and then I'll type in some prompts, and I'll try to get, you know, as many other variations as I can. And it's not to use them, but it's to show myself, all right, that will not work. So it's like, yeah, it's using that as a negative, you know, a, a way to remove things that I don't want, so I don't have to think about it, so I can focus on what will work. So that's all I'm using it now, but I can, once it starts creating layered illustrator files, layered Photoshop files, even procreate drawings, uh, yeah. even after effects files, it's going to be crazy dangerous. Like, yeah, it's going to be a, a little bit scary. Yeah. Um, but I hope to be throwing myself into the fire and, and learning about it to try to be one step ahead of it. Yeah, so I felt the same way, yeah. and then we we had a an artist called Jessica. She goes by the by the name of Wonder Mundo um, in our podcast, and she opened my eyes to a different perspective of AI. She mentioned that you know some people that that don't have like uh, you know arms or whatever the case might be, you know that there are issues that they're having physically, they might not be able to express themselves artistically, and AI is able to do that for them. So that kind of opened my eyes to that part of AI because I was very anti-AI and I was like I was like no you know that's not a real artist like what are they doing <laughs> you know like I, I thought everything negative until she like mentioned that and I was like wait a minute yeah that's 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 a cool way of looking at it that kind of makes sense I think that's cool that's cool and that makes me think that it you know anybody even like not even just a physical disability but say um you can't sing or make music you know it's going right. to be able to right be able to make that and express yourself that way and then i try to think even further ahead all right if everybody is an artist was that going to make the physical artist more important like or mm. is it going to make art less important i i think it's going to create like a revolution of physical like a, in, things in the physical world again somehow well I don't full circle huh <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah hopefully <laughs> It, it'll so probably cool. be like digitally integrated somehow though i don't know like crazy 3d printing or something like that yeah. interesting how do you define success as an artist hmm. Oof. Oof. deep questions i don't um i don't know if i if i really think about success <clears throat> at all um i think it's like one of those things that if you chase it you never get it and you never feel it it's like i'd say it's it's doing something that at the moment you feel is 
you're not like you're not confident in doing it, but you push through it anyways. And then you can look back on it in a year or two and you, you say, I'm really glad I did that. Like that really added up into something that like people have talked about or it's changed some people's lives. And that I, I'd say that more than like money or views is is how I look at success. Like money and views, it, it, it all it all it all can be taken away very quickly, but like these like bedrock art creations or whatever you do or whatever you create and like affecting a lot of people, uh, you can always look back on that and like feel good about that. So that if I'm going to define success, that's how I do it. And yeah, I don't know if that answers it. Yeah, it does. It does. Ryan, when I looked at your YouTube channel and then I sort the videos by popularity or like most popular, like the NFT ones are like heavily on the more popular side. Yeah. Is that, is that <clears throat> something you like embrace and you lean into like, all right, if I post anything with NFT in the title, like it's going to, it's going to be a hit. Um, or I know you've kind of expressed some concern about niching down or just being like the NFT guy. How do you balance yeah. that? It's a struggle I go through every day and think about every day. Cause I know it's like, it's on the table right there. If I want those views, I want that exposure. I want that advertising money. Just put NFT in the title. That's all I have to do. Yep. But if I do that, like you're you're totally stuck. Like I'm just like in college, like being it part of like football and art. Like I need to push and like be part and not be labelable. If that's that's not a word, but I like I love <laughs> NFTs and I love exploring that, but. I need to create also the content that like my soul, my heart wants to create. Yeah. NFTs are still there. And like when I can cross and combine those, like that's good. Like when, when it's a hit that way, I love that. But it's, it's tough when these like algorithms want to want to bucket you into these, these niches. It's really difficult because then you just end up creating content for the algorithm versus what you really want to create. And what I really want to create is what I'm interested in today what I see out, like how I'm like, how I see the world, like that's the most interesting thing. And like teaching other people and NFTs are in there for sure. But just being that NFT influencer or like, you know, talking about prices of NFTs, I, I just, I can't do that because like I'm, <laughs> I'm out exploring too much. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You said, um, you know, creating like what your soul wants to explore but you're also like an agency for hire. So where do you draw the line on like accepting a job that maybe doesn't align with what you'd really want rather be working on? Well, I, I bring my soul to that. Like I, I very like some of my clients are like air airlines, you know, like big billion dollar companies, super like stiff and buttoned up. But I bring this rebellious attitude. Like, you know, you guys, you're not emailing on this project. You're coming into my project management system. You're putting in a request and we're, we're getting, we're nailing this as soon as possible to get to that result as possible. And like, that's my soul. Like, that's like that bringing that, I bring that to, it doesn't matter what project it is. That's what I'm bringing to it. So I can apply that to anything. And that's cool. Client services pays. So if I can bring <laughs> that and have fun and they learn, like my clients learn from that. And I see like these buttoned up people transform into these like super high tech wizards. And, you know, if they don't even need me after a few years, I've done a great job. Like that's, mm. that's what I really like. And that's where my soul is like finding the efficiencies and like helping other people out. So 
Yeah, I can I could apply that to the most boring thing in the world and make it fun. Like make a game of it. Yeah. When, cool. when you say that it resonates with me with what I do in hotels, I do human resources in hotel, but I always tell people that like my team, we're going to be the rock and roll of HR. And sort of like what you just said is like help people out, but kind of do it in a different way or, or kind of get them to change their view on what that is. Like that's always my goal. So I feel like we have a little bit of overlap in our Venn diagram of, of what we do as, as rebels. Yeah. 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 I'm with you on that. That's cool. Are you able? Are you able to describe a dream project? Do you have like a dream project? Hmm. A dream project, like a client project or a book pro. Like, let me go through books, NFTs, and clients. Like books, the thing I'm going through, going for, is creating, <clears throat> like a, a, like a Mo Willems style, like something that is like viral on the tongue, like a very simple uh, kids book series that is like, you know, the IP is a hit so that it can be licensed out as toy characters and other merch or cartoons. But starting that with a very simple book that like kids and parents absolutely love, like that's my goal in books. In NFTs, um, turning Beastly Ballers into a hit, um, but not doing it the like the traditional way with the discord doing it through some sort of uh like animated series or digital um digital sports league crunchy cows is always going to be like my educational line always like pushing yeah. and creating things on there and then in client services uh my dream is not a project but it's always to like create like this easiest productized system for people to get like world-class animation and design in a click of a button as easy as ordering from Amazon and uh, like building the team and the, the product behind that. And then whatever projects come into that are awesome. But um, yeah, I don't really think about dream projects. It's, it's like, you know, what, what, what are the best systems that I want to build so I can live like a creative life? Yeah, it makes sense. What is, what is the best piece of art you've created? Which one is stands out the most to you or means the most to you? Probably my books. Like my books are like, they're like bricks to me because like I, at the time I have zero confidence. And it's like that saying like Kurt Vonnegut, Vonnegut it's like, uh, he feels like an armless legless man drawing or writing with a crayon in his mouth. That's what I feel like making these books. I think they're terrible. I think I'm wasting my time. I think everybody's going to make fun of me for doing this. And then two or three years later, I have so many people coming up to me, like saying it's their favorite book. And like, that just makes me feel so good. So pretty much every one of my picture books and I've finished like a massive graphic novel. Um, those are my favorite. And then some of the things with the music videos are really cool. Um, yeah. And then just um, staying alive for 10 years and uh, working for myself. That's also what I'm pretty proud of. That's cool. What um, the, the books that you have, are your kids, um, you know, like uh, Easter eggs inside of there? Or like, how do your kids kind of um, play into your art that you that you create for yourself? They give me ideas and I annoy the hell out of them with uh, reading it, <laughs> reading them to them. They have, they, have okay. they have great taste. So I can say, hey, I have this idea. And they'll be like, nah. I can just tell by the look on their face. No. But if they like say, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And you can do this. And they start giving me ideas. I know there's something there, but yeah, yeah. They, I go read to all their schools and um, 
it's pretty cool that they get to like uh, be on oh, board was cool. this little book journey. I don't know where it's going to go, but yeah, they're a part of the yeah. ride. That's really cool. And when you, those books, I mean, you're doing the writing and the animating, right? Illustrating. Yeah. The illustrating, sorry. Yeah. The, um, and so what's that writing like for you? Is that, is that a skill that you've always had or is that part of your, your education? It's in, it's, I can, the only way I can describe it is it's in my bones. Like it, I feel like it, like I just hear, I'm, I'm a terrible singer and songwriter. I would never be able to write a song, but I feel like I have these rhymes. Like when my ears hear people say things, it just like, it feels like a guitar tuning and I just wow. store them in my brain or write them down. And then, um, yeah, sometimes stories will just come to me and flow out in full form, a full book. Sometimes I'll have to uh -huh. fight through it. And um, I'll have an idea like Ice Cream Robots is one of a book that took me like three years to write uh, about like an angry ice cream man, like the soup Nazi in, in Seinfeld. <laughs> and I'm like, where am I going with this? And then until I put like uh, the expression is like, let your pain sing. Until I put myself yeah. into that and write about what I'm really going through, then the book comes alive and then I finish it very easily. But when if I can't finish a book, I know I'm holding back and not saying what I really want to say. <clears throat> yeah, but the Dave Gravity Goes Loco, I wrote in one stream of thought in, in walking 10 blocks in New York City. Other books, I got to fight. Wow. Like, I got to fight like crazy to, to finish. Is that your creative hey, blocks? Curious. <laughs> yeah. Little, yeah, creative blocks, yeah. Um, but I never let them win. So I'll either abandon the project totally or I'll fight through that and like figure it out and just say that those blocks are what I need to go through to figure it out. So it's, yeah, it's a torturous process to sum it up in a few words. Do you have any techniques? <laughs> <laughs> any techniques you want to share for uh, overcoming those creative blocks? I need some of those techniques. So actually morning pages. I didn't believe in oh, it yeah. at first. Write out. You, and you won't even believe it when you're writing the morning pages. Just take out a piece of paper, write one to three pages every morning, first thing in the morning, just whatever you think. You're, you'll, you, you will actually hate the process. You can even write about how you hate this process of writing. And it, for some reason, after you do that, you find yourself creating throughout the day. Wow. And you, you're still, you still feel like, oh, I'm creatively blocked, but you're not. Like you got, you got it out. Those blocks are just fears, procrastination, worries um yeah but you work all of that out on morning pages and then for some reason crazy stuff flows out after that i'd say that um stepping away um tell your brain that you're only allowed to create for a certain amount of time and then all of a sudden it, it will create it's like telling a kid not to do something that's all they'll want to do so i i do that with my brain find your rhythms find your time to create that's that's the biggest thing like i you're you're gonna have a good wave during the day find that rhythm find that creative time and keep doing that like 30 days in a row and you'll have something pretty airtight that's so cool are you a pen and paper kind of guy for your morning pages or is that on the ipad also um now i do ipad either in um there's an apple app Freeform where you can yeah. uh, write do post-it notes it's a little bit laggy so i'm in procreate doing morning pages Wow. And uh, I did do it in, in notebooks for many years. I have like a, a stack of notebooks, but wow. digital works just as well. <laughs> that must be uh, interesting <laughs> to go back. 
Yeah. It's horrifying. It's pretty horrifying. I don't know if I'd want to never read go my back and read it. That's stream of thoughts. Yeah. Never go back and read it. <laughs> never go back. But, <laughs> but you keep it for books. some reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, Ryan, we are uh, approaching our time. I want to respect you and your family's time as well. So uh, I will leave you with this last question. Um, where can people find you and get in touch with you? Uh, you can start on TikTok, Rai Rai Art, or yeah, my website, Rai Rai Art. Um, and then my handles are all over the place online, but you'll find me. Uh, yeah, TikTok and YouTube are, are where I post the most content. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again for your time. It has been awesome chatting with you and kind of peeking behind the curtain of the videos that uh, Miguel and I have been watching for the past couple of years now and kind of learning a little bit more about you and your process. So thanks for sharing that with our, our crowd here as well. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Miguel, have a great night as well. Thank you all for joining. And uh, let's do it again next week. We have another guest next week, Plum Inferno, who uh, will tell us all about how to be safer with the Web3 things. She's a Web3 security expert. So, all right, Miguel, Ryan, have a great night. Thank you both for your time. Rebels who are with us still, be well. And we will uh, see you again next week. Uh, Ryan, you thank Talk you. Soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. See you. Bye.